Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Box Set Pod. As usual, we ask you to tell three friends. Think of three friends you could recommend the Box Set Pod to and recommend it to them. Simple as that. And download the Acast app as well. If you haven't done it yet, why not? It's great. And there's recommendations for other box set, other podcasts on there as well. It's really good. Uh, you can watch and click on the links uh, as we talk about things on the show. Um, so it's well worth doing. Just search Acast in your app store. Welcome to episode 13 of the Box Set Pod. I'm Howell. I'm Jamie. And it's hey. nice to have you with us. Will it be lucky 13? It's the Dexter special. Will Howell infiltrate Dexter's flat in Miami from it, the show Dexter? If you haven't seen Dexter, don't worry. Don't worry. Every so often, a special box set pod for one reason or another looking into one box set. This one... Dexter, um, about Dexter. Dexter is a TV series that was made out of a book. It's about a serial killer, but this serial killer has got a motive. He only kills people the who only, are yeah. also killers. Who only are kills other people. killers. So in a way, he's a good guy. Mm. And mm-hmm. in, in a way, before Breaking Bad made us try and like an, a bad character, Dexter was doing that. Well, and Sopranos was doing that. And Sopranos, yeah, yeah. Doing that before. Can that. you learn to like even the worst type of person, a serial killer? Um, my criticism of Dexter would be that it can be too networky, if a huge changes series to series. Arguably, it went on too long. No Arguably. way. No way. Arguably. Didn't go on long enough. It peaked at season four. It talking went about? downhill. What, where did you get this nonsense? The last couple of series are brilliant. It's when Yvonne Strahovski from Chuck joined the crew. And Just, it's brilliant. Uh, if you ask me, it No one's asking off. you. Um, I Someone love, is. I love Dexter and uh, I am standing by it. It's I like Dexter. World famous. But yes, in between series, often you would get complete changes to characters, to situations. People who are married suddenly become divorced. <laughs> and you can really see that in order to get the next series, there's been some to and fro in with probably the network who say, well, what's going to keep the interest up in this one? Da, 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 da. Um, interestingly, a similar thing happens in Prison Break, which I was talking about last week. So we're going to get back to Dexter in a moment. First of all, got some correspondence based on last week. Apparently, there was a big change between season two and three of Prison Break, which I was struggling with. I got lots of people emailing saying that I should continue with Prison Break. I have. I'm now on the last series, and it is great. Um, But certainly, between the two series, one key character was got rid of. And it turns out it's because the network said, what is the impetus for this guy to carry on? You have to get rid of somebody that he loves. And they got rid of somebody that he loves. But are they gone forever? That's the question. Um, but so have you finished it? I have not finished it. I'm on the last series now, and it's good. It's really good. Um, now, who did we get an email from? Jack sent us an email again, um, who said, quick update on things. I've watched the four episodes of Quantum Leap. Do you remember? We, oh, Jack. We 
recommended to yeah, Jack. Yeah, we, re- we wanted to know. We, we wanted to know where to go next in this sort of sci-fi journey mm. of TV, like sci-fi stuff. And he liked Chuck, and so we recommended Quantum Leap. Uh, a classic. We weren't sure how he'd take it because he's a lot younger than us. Uh, he's like in his late teens, early 20s. It's a big risk to send someone down the quantum leap alley. He emails, I've watched the four episodes, so I've followed the rule and I'm going to keep going. Yeah! She'll see if I get to season two when I've finished the first. A few points to point out. The go. episodes are really long. <laughs> the first may be two combined, but it spanned 90 minutes and normally is 45, which is no more than a Doctor Who, but somehow feels like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, a fair play to sticking with it that long. Yeah. Secondly, it's not really gripping, and I can't mm-hmm. stop watching, mm-hmm. which is okay, and can't stop watching, which is okay, but I'm still interested to see where it's going. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is... Jamie pointed something out in the pub the other night, which was really... We should do another special episode in a few weeks that is about box sets that really were pre-box set world. Because the box set world kind of started with Sopranos or The Wire, okay, around that time. Maybe 24 you could class as the first one. Yeah, The Wire. Right, and before that you had TV series which you can now buy as box sets. But what Jack's finding out is that Quantum Leap was made for a one-week-a-watch viewing you had the same thing every week, there were very basically. Few, yeah, like if you look back, there were very few TV shows pre 2000, 2001 that had like a, an on running plot. Yeah. Like an on running theme. Yeah. A lot of them were like, had the same sort of formula every episode, end with a ending that's satisfying for the audience, not too much in the. I mean, Lost also, Lost was sort of like a long running plot. Yes, was, Lost is one of the first yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But um, the Quantum Leap certainly doesn't do that, but, but then it actually does the final episode of Quantum Leap after all those series, I think it's 99 episodes, really does. I mean, it's one of the best. I can't believe I didn't remember this when we were talking about endings. It's one of the best you know endings. What? I can't even something. remember the ending of oh, Quantum Leap. Man. He ends up sort of talking to God, but I'm not going to say any more than that. It's more of a symbolic thing. No, 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 no. It's not actually God. It's not a Morgan Freeman character that turns up. I've not ruined anything there. Um, But it really is quite a philosophical, brilliant ending to something that lasted a long time. Um, Also, he's very excited because he's realised that Scott Bakula is in Chuck. Yes, he is. And um, he goes into some detail about what character he plays in Chuck, so I don't want to give him that away. He also says says how prison break so last week i asked for help i said please help me get through prison break should i stick with it i watched it and really enjoyed it the first and second seasons were easily the best though i started to watch it again a while back and started something else midway through season three that's definitely the troublesome one season four does kind of drag but it's worth the watch and comes to a good ending that's what i'm looking forward to jack you've made me carry on thank you there also seems to be a reunion party going on at the moment um at the CW, because at least four of the main characters have been on The Flash or Arrow. Yes, they have regrouped. The Prison Break uh, characters have appeared together as, like, cameos, which is exciting. Really? Um, And now for Space. I like it. I I take it. uh, Oh, yeah, because we said, what box sets would you take to Space? And Jack has contributed to that as well. I'd say I'd take It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because, as I've said before, it's pure brilliance. And The Walking Dead. Do I only get to take what's been released or do I have some time travel ability? Easily my favourite show is going, oh, you want to go into the future? That's interesting. That's interesting. Sorry for the lengthy email. Never apologise. No, that's very good. And remember that you can still send us what you take with you if you were to go into space or just off on a desert island, what would be the, the designated that have to be mandatory box sets you'd take with you soon on the box set pod we are going to talk 
two. Um, the uh, writer of Lilyhammer, one of the creators of Lilyhammer. Lilyhammer, what a story she's going to have, and we will have her on the on the podcast. Possibly, oh no, not next week because next week is the special. It's the director's commentary special. Oh, we're treating you two specials in a row. Yeah, are we? Uh, we're getting a bit overexcited too soon. Very much moment. so. Um, you know what I was thinking? Maybe we week should, after that, Lilyhammer. Maybe we should have done for our first TV mm. watching together. Mm. Better Call Saul. Nah. Because everyone's loving it, getting into it. it I tell brilliant. you what, I've watched the first four episodes, and it's amazing. I think it's better than the first series so far of Breaking Bad. That's how good I think it's just brilliant. It is brilliant. I just love it. Um, I also thought just just to send a quick texter mm. uh, for everybody. Email. Huh? Email. Sorry. Let, let us know TV shows that started good and went bad. Okay. Let me give you an example. True Blood. Yeah. First series of True Blood, written by Alan Ball, who's brilliant. He did Six Feet Under and American Beauty. Brilliant. You watch that first series of True Blood and tell me you don't love it. You watch season five of True Blood. It <laughs> stinks to high heaven. Tell us TV shows started good, went bad. Email us, studio at theboxsetpod.com. Did I manage to find Dexter's house in Miami? Well, we'll come back to that in a moment. And we're going to be talking to Dexter's location manager, the man who's in charge. And Dexter really is about the location, Miami. We're going to be talking to him in a bit. The news, though, Jamie. If you go to the boxsetpod.com slash news, you'll see all the latest stuff I've popped on. First of all, AMC have released Mad Men finale photos. And there's a teaser trailer. I'm going to pop that up today as well. It's a, the Mad Men finale is up in April. There's some great photos. It looks very exciting. And apparently there is going to be a bit of a time jump. Because yeah. in the final series, you know, it's going to cover off a smorgasbord of issues. Oh. We're going to see where Don Draper ends up, I think, with his life. Whoa. So, very exciting. I Please think he's go. he's going to end up an alcoholic. Um, he he's already an much. alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. I want him to have some kind of redemption and maybe yeah. get back to his family and love his kids better. I mean, he needs to end up in California. He's got to. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, don't worry. you got to get, you Watch gotta get into it. Uh, next up uh, on the uh, slash news, you'll see the latest trailer for M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. Let's Shyamalan. talk about him for a Shyamalan. second. He's in a number of films. Thick Sense, which is great. <laughs> After that, he did Unbreakable. Great. He did another one that I love. It's called. Uh, Lady in the Water, but he got slated. He's in a lot of bad films. In fact, he's been on a really ropey run, so he's headed to TV. Right. <laughs> and uh, on there, you can see the trailer for his, na- his latest TV show. It's got Matt Dillon, who's a secret agent who investigates a, seri- uh, a mysterious town in Idaho. It looks like it's going to be a bit of a twist fest. Uh, but it looks quite interesting as well, so check that out, see what you think. Rowan Atkinson t- coming back to TV as well. Is he? Rowan Atkinson is going to be doing an ITV detective show. He's going to play a French detective. Uh, so far, it's going to be a couple of TV movies, but I reckon if it becomes successful, because it's based on some novels, he might actually be a recurring comedy. Sort of, uh, no, I think it's going to be a drama. No TV dra- drama detective show with Rowan Atkinson in it. He's <laughs> doing a David Jason basically with a touch of frost. Oh, no, I mean, wouldn't it be great if he was playing like Clouseau? He'd be brilliant oh, at that. Superb. Also, bro- uh, Broadchurch news. We shouldn't forget that Broadchurch ended this week. The finale. I watched it. There's a lot of mixed reaction to season two. There ain't no doubt about it. They made mistakes. They made some big mistakes. Mm. Some of the plots were dragged out. Some of the plots we didn't care about. I thought they tried to end it okay, 
but they are coming back with a series three. And I, what what we want is them to move on to a new plot. If they do that in season three, and that is the suggestion coming from the head creator, Chris Chibnall, then we're going to go in the right direction because the characters are good. The detectives, David Tennant and uh, Olivia Coleman are superb. Broadchurch coming back. Howell's still not watched it yet. Nope. Yeah, you've got to get your game face on, Howell. Yeah, I know. Lastly, David Simon, the writer of The Wire, the creator of The Wire, and Tremay. He is working on a new TV series, (laughs) and it's set in New York in the 1980s. Check this out, Howell. You know there's actually a place in New York called Yonkers? Yeah. I actually didn't know that was a real place. I thought it was like another term for New York. Oh, look at you, Yonkers. (laughs) All right. Anyway, there's a place in New York called Yonkers, and that's where he's going to set his latest TV show. It's going to be about the housing desegregation that took place and political turmoil and social turmoil that fell out from the 1980s. Well, that's a sell. Yeah, well, go see the network. Check check this out. about housing degradation. The the reason I said that is because David Simon himself has even admitted that he thinks no one is going to watch this show, (laughs) but he's still going to get to make it, which I think is brilliant. Brilliant. HBO are making it with him. Check out uh, the cast is brilliant for this show. Oscar Isaac. If you've not if you've not seen him in some brilliant, he's in um, Lewin Davis inside Lewin Davis. Oh, he's, he's great. Yeah, he's a great actor. Winona Ryder's in it. Mm. Uh, Alfred Molina's in it. Who played Octavius, Doctor Octavius in Spider Man Two, the last wow. one. David Simon in New York. Political. No one's going to watch it apparently, but I'll be there, David. That's your box set news so far. Thus, let's Dexter. Are you ready? Yeah. So you're going to hear um, just a just a couple of minutes, five minutes of me recording myself in Miami. I love Miami. It's fickle. It's hard. But sweaty. It's beauty, very sweaty. Beautiful, hot. Plenty of sweaty balls in the Cuban beach. That's enough. Cuban beach, hard American city, all in one. Humid. Perfect setting for a serial killer. It is the perfect setting because it's got everything, the pressure, the darkness, all that. Yeah, but even though you're watching this very dark show, all you sit there thinking is, I want to be in Miami. In yeah. a way, it's a lot like Broadchurch in the way that you kind of sit there with Broadchurch. Even though they're all miserable, you go, I want to live in Broadchurch. Well, that's the key. I want to be Dexter. I want to live in Dexter's apartment. You're a bit disappointed if Dexter considers moving out of that apartment, which he may or may not do in the series. And this apartment you see at the beginning of Dexter, uh, he walks out of the door on the credits at the beginning of every show, um, having made his breakfast in a very serial killer way, and he walks down the internal balcony of this block of apartments. The apartment is as much a character as Dexter himself. Well, Miami is is as much a character, definitely. And a key to that that you think of is that blue facaded art deco style apartment and that's what's great about miami as well is all the art deco. You know, i was thinking about uh, miami is it's kind of like cuba isn't it it's a bit like it got a bit of a cuban I just said feel. That two minutes ago yeah i didn't hear it howell yeah um don't expect a big finale to this this is essentially me trying to find dexter's apartment if you just google it if you just look online it is actually fairly difficult to track down um but let's do it. Let's find out and see if you can... I, I do get the burps at one point with nerves, so I apologise for that. You can really hear the point at which um, I start to get nervous. Uh, so let's listen to me in Miami. Welcome to Miami for the Box Set Pod. I am here with my wife, Sarah. We are driving into Miami. It's such an exciting place. The huge... Um, uh, skyscrapers and the big port that is so famous from Dexter and radio 
that plays just classics. Every station, we've got Donna Summer on at the moment. Is this cake out in the rain? MacArthur Park. Oh, this is a song. Someone left my cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it. Cause it took so long to bake it. We're gonna find Dexter's house. And I never had that recipe. to Dexter's Miami. Yeah! All right, let's go to South Beach, baby. So we've been in Miami a couple of days and um, that I think Miami gets criticised for not having any culture. That it's And the thing is, that's probably because where we're staying on South Beach, which is where the tourists stay, it's beautiful. It's the old Art Deco thing, but it's basically one long road, Collins Avenue, which we're driving on now to go and find Dexter's house. And then there's South Beach, the actual beach. We saw 50 Cent, though. We did see 50 Cent pull up in a car, and that's the kind of place it is. On the strip, um, the South Beach Strip, it is totally party town. And it's easy to just go, this is vacuous, empty people, but it's not, it's party town. It's always been like that. This is where, like, the Mambo started. This is the place where Cuban music met American shores and turned into the, the party place, the best party place. Um, there's a bar called Mango's, which is a lot of fun, and you spend a lot of money in there, and they dance on the tables and it's brilliant um so we've had a we've had a good night and the the weather's been quite wet it's been quite rainy we had a bit of time on the beach and we've burnt to death um and now we are driving down collins avenue towards bay harbour islands we're heading towards dexter's house and um having read all the stuff online we don't hold out much hope hopefully you're gonna hear some form of payoff though Okay, here's what's just happened. We've driven up and down the road that we think the apartments are not We're pulled into a couple of places that look like it because it had the same sort of blue um, and white art deco sort of out thing design. We um, got out of the car, we took a photo of where we thought it was, but it didn't seem quite right. And then we just carried on driving up and round it and we've come to this place. I have just got out of the car and... I think this is it. There are no trespassing signs up. I'm just coming up to the fence now. <gasps> this is it. I can see it. Oh, this is so cool. I am looking at Dexter's apartment. I'm doing it. I've seen it. I've done it. He actually, Michael C. Hall walked down there every day in my life when I needed a serial killer in my life because I needed to get through some tough times at work and I needed to imagine that I had a secret life. That TV show got me through and this is where it was actually filmed and I watched it every day and thought I would love to go to Miami and now I am here and I am looking at it and I am scared because it's very quiet and there are a lot of signs up saying I shouldn't be here, I'm going to get back in the car with my wife. Just here outside Dexter's house, the Bay Harbour Club, it's now been turned into flats. Another couple have turned up from the other side of the world as well, looking for Dexter's apartment, tugging at the fence that says no trespassing, trying to see over it, very amusing, on a very stormy day, a lot like the last episode of Dexter. I'm getting very nervous. 
we're going to have to get out of here. Clearly the residents don't want uh, people here. There's a lot of no trespassing signs. But it is possible through the gap in a fence and by hanging over the edge of some water to see Dexter's apartment. Where have you come from? Italia. Italia, and you come, how, how long ago did you finish watching Dexter? Uh, three years ago, probably. Three years ago. And uh, is this exciting for you to be here? Eccitante per te stare qui? Yes. <laughs> she came here just for, for this reason. Really? Yeah. Well, me too, mostly. Do you feel slightly um, like we're going to get arrested? No. Why? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of signs up. They don't seem to want us here. There's I know. a lot. Maybe, maybe if we go there for the interview, it's better. So. <laughs> yeah. Shall we? Shall <laughs> we? Shall we move out of the way? <laughs> oh, Breaking Bad T-shirt. So you do Breaking Bad as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good, good. Um, what was your favorite series of Dexter? Qual è la tua stagione preferita? The fourth. And that is that the um, Trinity. Trinity Killer. <laughs> the Trinity Killer. Yes. Have you done any other locations, any other Dexter Not locations? Yet. No. We have just arrived. Right. We're and uh, arrived. have you got more to do? Do you know of any others? Uh, no. No. no, there's there's the south the South Beach where they do a lot of the shots, oh. just in front of the Cleveland Hotel. Should try there. That's good. <laughs> Should go now. Should go that's right that's now. good. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to see you. Yeah. Good and, to see you. Uh, no, what are your names, by the way? Giovanni and Agnese. Agnese. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. It started raining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the last episode when. What did you think about the end? An horrible end. No, bad end. Really horrible. Not happy with bad, the end. Uh... <laughs> so back in the car, uh, the rain's beginning to come down. We have, there is a little car park just opposite that you can pay to park in. Um, so it is kind of a public place and then you can go walking the dog or whatever, but... Um, the overriding impression that you get here is, you know, on that building and on the building opposite, there's a lot of no trespassing signs and clearly they've had a lot of interest or clearly there's a few people who aren't happy about the interest, which is a shame really because uh, you'd think you'd think they'd be proud, I suppose. Maybe they are. Maybe, I mean, we just turned up for 10 minutes and there was another couple there. I saw a couple of other cars going past, so maybe it's millions of people and that would annoy you if it was your house, I suppose. Um, but if you do visit here, um, it's worth a drive past, I suppose. And uh, don't trespass. But that's it. No big end, I'm afraid. Uh, Michael Seahaw wasn't here to walk into. But um, it's, I've come a long way, about 2,000 miles. And I can think, I can say now, I have found... Dexter's apartment, even if I couldn't touch it. I may have climbed some stairs in the building opposite and had a look uh, from a good vantage point, but uh, I can't quite remember whether I just did that or not. Back to the studio. There you go. So, I think we can put that down as a success. You pansy. What? Come on, Howell. What? You didn't get in the house. Jamie. Howell, what would I have done? If I was over there and I'd found Dexter's house. We'll ask Terry Gus. I would have scaled the fence. No, you wouldn't. You know I would. 
America has guns. Miami is not shy of guns. That's a, that's a fair point. Scaling a, a wall that has about five do not trespass signs on it, when you've read online that apparently they've got the cops on speed dial, you're not going to do it. You should have got your Italian friend, instead of wussing out, taken your Italian <laughs> friend and got into that building. That's Dexter's building. All I wanted to do was see it. I was not going to... Someone lives there. I'm not going to go, like, knocking on the door. What if they'd let you in, though? What if you'd knocked on that door? And what if they were lonely and they needed someone to chat to and you could have gone in the house and talked Dexter with them? Let's bring in the man who worked on Dexter. Uh, his name is Terry Gusto, a brilliant name, and he joins us from Mexico. Please welcome to the box set pod, location manager for Dexter, Terry Gusto. Whee! Thank you, guys. There he is, down in old Mexico. Mexico. How's life in Mexico, Terry? Well, uh, I've retired after 26 years as a location manager uh, in a house with an ocean view and oh. uh, uh, loving it. Terry, how old are you? I uh, just turned 66 in June. You know what? You sound, you sound you've about got such a young voice. You've got a younger voice than me. You sound like a whippersnapper, Terry. Uh, I feel like it down here now. Uh, I bet. And 26 <laughs> years at the job. Um, okay, we'll, we'll get back to the job in general in a bit, but are you surprised that I couldn't get uh, to touch Dexter's apartment? No, I'm actually surprised you probably weren't shot or set upon by big dogs. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, at least it, it should have toned down by now, but in the height of the season, you know, uh, in, during the series... A lot of internet sites and people really uh, searched out the locations and did sites so you could go to, you know, we didn't keep anything secret in L.A. or Miami. So uh, an incredible amount of people wanted to go and see where where Dexter was, you know, where he killed people or where he lived or, you know, where he was. So it, it got a little frustrating and we knew for the people and, you know, people did what they needed to do i presumed that yeah it would have been pretty busy but i thought that it would be like one or two residents that were particularly grumpy and the other residents were kind of okay with it but but from what you're saying by the sound of it they would they were under siege for quite a few years there uh yeah they were i mean pretty much for the for the length of the show so that you know that's eight years so uh you know, people come and go. So, uh, you know, that's showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> so how much was filmed in Miami? Only the pilot was all done in Miami. And then uh, we shot a total of uh, uh, 10 episodes or 12 episodes a season. So for the first four out of 12 and the first season, we shot half of them in Miami. Um, after that, we figured out we didn't need to incur the expense and we could find everything else uh, in and around Long Beach and L.A. and uh, Marina del Rey and San Pedro and in the L.A. environment. I'm watching Prison Break at the moment and the first series of Prison Break and the second series, they're kind of all across America. And then the third season, they're down in Panama. And then the fourth season, I was like, where are they going to be this time? Other in LA, and it seems to yeah. be. <laughs> is this is this a studio thing that they kind of go, hey guys, can we keep it cheaper now? Well, yeah, and it just depends on the look, you know. I mean, it, today's deal, it's all about economics, and it's always going to be about that. And and for us, we the, the second season, we took Michael before we started and took him to Miami for a week or so, 
and shot him in his car and in his boat driving all around Miami. And then we cut that stuff into all the episodes. Oh, right. And as long as he's got his kill vest on, then uh, (laughs) you can put it in any episode you want. (laughs) We could, we could, we we shot him in all sorts of different uh, costumes, you know, all all sorts of different Ah, wardrobes, dozens and dozens of different wardrobes, and then figured out that. Into cut it into all the episodes. So when you're doing something like that, how many of you are there? And and you're there, even though you're the location director. So you have, what 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 is your function in those situations? Uh, to be honest, in Miami, zero. Yeah. Uh, we we had the the it was a great lady who shot the pilot there who lives in Miami, and she knows Miami way better than I do, and she took care of all those logistics. While I was had to be in L.A. prepping for our new season. So what does a location director do? This is a job you learn by being on the streets and seeing how things work. It's, it's all it, it, it's kind of about it, it's all about logistics. They'll come to you and say, we want a bar and you, you kind of get in it. Well, is it a, a biker bar or a, a, a yuppie bar? And they'll tell you. And then my job and my team's job is to go out and find five or six choices. Now, these choices are, one, creative for them, but two, also revolve around my needs, which are parking for crew, for trucks, places to cater, uh, what permits look like, noise, railroad tracks, uh, aircraft patterns, traffic patterns, uh, pain in the butt neighbors, <laughs> businesses, doing our homework yeah, uh, ahead of time so that when we present them with these locations, my department knows that we can make that shoot happen there without us getting our, our butts put in a ringer, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me ask you this, Terry. How much easier did your job get when Google Earth came along? <laughs> it helps, but guys, it, it's boots on the ground. You know, you physically have to be there and look around, and it's, it, you know, it's location. So you have to physically, with your eyes and your senses and, and talking to people, look around i mean that's good location managers get a get an assist with google earth it, it don't get me wrong it's it's a huge tool now mm. but maybe i'm old school yeah. i like to look at it i like to knock on some doors i like to talk to the mailman <laughs> to the cop on the beat you know and say hey how is it around here you know is there is it I don't know. Is it high crime? Is it high this? Is it what's going on? Can I come in here for a week, you know, with 100 people and trucks and everything and and coexist? Am I going to have problems with neighbors, with businesses? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. who can we who can we do business with? Can we do business or is it going to be a nightmare? And, and I, the only way you g- can do that is for you and your team going door to door and talking to people and making sure that people are on on the same page as you are you know you're, you're bringing in a dozen trucks and a hundred people mm. yeah yeah I've just, you've just given me a great idea for a, a film terry gusto is a location <laughs> manager and he's retired and he's moved to mexico yeah. and someone comes to him and says terry we need you for one last job oh yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. and terry says i'm old school i do it old school yeah they said terry we're it, ready for that 
and Terry has to be uh, brought in at old I'll, school. I'll tell them there, there's going to be a, a big laundry list, and if they meet the laundry list, they can they can buy my old butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, a great twist on it will be that Terry is yeah. checking out whether they've got some annoying neighbours. Yeah, finds out one of the neighbours is a killer. Oh, that's a plot line. There you go. Uh, he, he shows up. You open the door, and his whole house is is. Uh, a, Framed in, in uh, a plastic wrap, and you start to think what's going on. <laughs> so, when you were filming the um, the shots of Michael C. Hall, did you have any contact with Michael C. Hall himself? Did you get to know the man? Here's my theory about Michael C. Hall: that he's quite a serious man. Uh, he's uh, he's one of the 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 best people I've ever worked with. He's wow. he's very serious. His, he takes his craft. Uh, incredibly well. He always, I mean, the ultimate professional knew his lines, input to writers, to everybody on set, uh, everything, everything from A to Z he had input in. But bottom line is, you know, great to the crew. If I needed him uh, and, and some people, onlookers wanted to meet him or get an autograph at the appropriate time, Michael was always willing uh, to do that. Uh, for people around us. So ultimate gentleman, ultimate professional, uh, really one of the top guys I, I've ever worked with. So, uh, and a brilliant actor, I think. Just, yeah. Uh, just brilliant in his acting. Oh, that's so good to know because I got the feeling that he was, um, I knew that he'd be very committed to his craft and, and all of that stuff. I just worried that what came with that was someone who didn't have a sense of humor. No, totally the opposite. But I mean, you you didn't interrupt and none of us did. I mean, when he came, he was ready, especially on, you know, on I hate to say it on killing days, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was serious, it was serious stuff. Yeah. But he always he always would. If we talked to him ahead of time and said, you know, the neighbors or the owner of the house or the business would like a photograph with you, would that be OK? You know, he said, yeah, at the right time or at lunchtime or whenever, whatever. Uh, I never had him tell my guys, my department, no, he wouldn't do anything. It, it could take time. People needed to wait. It was on Michael's time, mm. and we didn't interrupt his acting Process. time. Yes. Uh, but otherwise, uh, he was he was great, uh, and he always uh, was really good with everybody. Oh, that's great. That's what great. was the uh, hardest, uh, as far as your career goes, what's been the hardest job you've had as a location manager? Boy, um, it, it it varies by subject. Way back when, in the old days, when we were doing movies of the week, um, I, I I shot at uh, in New Orleans at Mardi Gras, which oh. was very difficult. Oh. Um, wheeling and dealing around Mardi Gras. At a point in time, I... We were there for the the crew wasn't in town yet, and I had negotiated with the with the town with the mayor and police to have eight filming towers during Mardi Gras Day for the parades, with camera crews on the towers at major intersections to film parade stuff, which took some doing. Wow! And um, uh, I did a great ski movie. Uh, uh, up in uh, Lake Louise in Canada and Banff uh, that, you know, took a lot of logistics because most days it was anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees below zero. So the logistics of stuff like that, where you're dealing with 
all the permits, all the parking, all the police, all the fire, all the catering logistics. You have to do your homework, do your research. 90% of the job is pre-planning, and then you have that 10% of what's going to come out of the woodwork at you. It sounds daunting, but at the same time, for a, particularly for a man, I think, yeah. it sounds like the best job in the world because there's some creativity but then it's got all of that stuff in there that is that is what makes a man want to pack the trunk of a car really well um the logistical stuff <laughs> you know it, it seems to have that real um obsessive end to things as well did you get bored of it no no because it's all every script you got to remember is a new adventure you know, every script is a new show, a new a new deal that you're looking for. So it's new people, new places, new things. I mean, the the people you should have a conversation with one of these days is the guys. You know, I've got a good friend, uh, Ilt Jones, so I think it's from England, actually. Uh, Ilt, uh, who does all the Transformer movies, man. Oh, really? I mean, those really? are the, he's got a team of 10 to 15 people. And they're traveling all around the world doing this stuff. These guys go to war every day, you know, with an <laughs> army. They're moving an army. They're moving 30 trucks and 300 people, 300 crews. So they, they could be operating in a, at a few million dollars an hour. So they can't afford for anything to get in the way of that production. Yeah, yeah. the risks are so much higher, aren't they? So in that in that sense, yes. how many times did you have to pay off organized criminals to help oh, you? Yes. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> it's uh, a, a few times. It, it depends where you were. Uh, most of the time, I w- would go in ahead of time, especially in L.A. or some other cities, and I would have sit-downs through negotiations with with gangs or certain elements and sit down and say hey we're no threat but we're here to do a job like anybody else uh i'm more than willing to to put some of your guys on i'm more than willing to to feed some people or if you guys are you know some of these guys are (laughs) taking care of people or whatever whatever you you got to figure out what the what what the deal is on the street and then you look to see if it's worth worth dealing with and then you make the adjustments has anyone ever uh, put a gun on the table in front of you and said (laughs) you want to come to my town Uh, i it hasn't gone that far but i've i've been uh uh, at places with people shooting where uh we've been close enough to see people gunned down oh my goodness me where was that terry in la uh, once and uh, actually in when we were up in Oakland too. So you know, but you're that's where you're shooting. You know, that's Jeez. that's life on the streets, and that you know it can happen in it could happen in any city, any neighborhood, anywhere. Yeah, you know, yeah. And if you need a shot like in that neighborhood, if you need to make a scene in that neighborhood, yeah. then yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's it's that's twice in my 26 years, and I'll. Oh, you know, that was plenty. Yeah. So what inspired you to leave the entire country and go to Mexico? Was it one of these? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what happened, Terry? Well, I I actually started looking a long time ago with a friend of mine knowing that our retirement dollar wasn't going to go far and spend a couple years traveling to uh, uh, Costa Rica and Guatemala and Nicaragua and Panama and the Yucatan. And some friends told me about this town and 
we checked it out and we came, we saw, we bought, we built. Wow. And I've, I've got another piece of land right next to me that I'm getting ready to build a, another house for myself and a couple condos for sale. If you're for me and Jamie. up for a vacation oh. condo, guys, I got one for Terry, you. Terry, book yes. me in the straight away. <laughs> Terry, I, I wonder, um, do you ever sit back now in Mexico, pull out the Dexter box set, pop it on, and are you able to enjoy it? Or do you just sit there going, man, that location was a nightmare. That took weeks. I consider myself really fortunate. I'm retired and where I am now because of the years I put in. And to be honest, the money I made and the pension fund and my health and welfare uh, through my union. I've been a teamster all my life. That's uh, the union that we're in. Hmm. So I'm incredibly grateful that I was at the right place at the right time, got in and had been able to do this and have the adventures and the travel and the experiences that I've had. So I've got, I've got no down about this, you know, uh, but uh, to, to be really honest, and I've told people that have been in touch with me, I look out my window right now and I see the ocean and the palm trees and I look at my pool and my dogs running around and Guys, I don't miss anything. <laughs> I bet you don't. I'm a mile from the main surfing beach, and it's one of the ten, you know, top surfing beaches in the world. So uh, oh, wow. I got kids coming in from all over the world here all the time, and uh, knock on wood, I was fortunate, and I played my cards right. You are literally living. You are like yeah. Andy Dufresne at the end of the Shawshank. Yeah, yeah. So what a nail. You're working on your boat, aren't you, Terry? Yeah. Well, I I walk in my pool every day and work on my exercise and my tan and listen to Janis Joplin or Oscar <laughs> Peterson <laughs> oh. and uh, Anne at the same time. So <laughs> oh, someone's going to do it. And it's me. Oh, Terry, you are living the dream. Yeah. I like traveling to America. I'm a big fan of uh, both coasts and Miami. And you've traveled across America. Um, so apart from outside of location manager, in, in terms of just personal taste, if you didn't live where you live now and you had to live somewhere in America, what's what's been your favorite city? What's the one that you've gone, oh, that is that I would love to live there. I could do that. Is it New Orleans? Is it? Hawaii, is it New York? I'm afraid I'm a bit of a West Coast guy. So I would look at Portland or Seattle. Uh, I'm also uh, cursed. I, I surfed when I was younger and then I broke my back when I was 17. Oh, so I couldn't surf anymore, but I've got the bug. But as long as I can fly from Portland or Seattle to a few weeks to Mexico or Hawaii and I can get my son in yeah. or I become a snowbird and it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, wintertime in Mexico and uh, summertimes in Seattle or Portland in those areas, I'd be a real happy camper too. Wow, that sounds oh, yeah, good. Great. Last thing I'm trying to ask you, Terry, as far as, I know it was just a job as well, but were you also a fan of Dexter? Oh, yeah. Incredible. The books were great. Once I read the books, I was hooked. And uh, the writing and the guys stayed, I thought, really true uh, to uh, to the original books and stuff. And and he was he was great, man. He was this dark. He was this dark crusader, this dark hero. Mm. You know, it, it was and you got to get man that people got it was OK for this guy to be killing people. That's that's quite the deal. Mm. That's quite a yeah. to make a yeah. series successful. Yeah. You're rooting for this guy 
to kill people <laughs> in justice. And do you think there'll ever be a, a season nine? No. Um, I think it's run its course. Uh, I, I would love to see, and there's always talk about a feature film. Ooh. And um, I think if, if someone came up with the right script for Michael, that he might do that. Um, but it would have to be a really brilliant piece of writing. Yeah, yeah, because he likes he likes things being good. Yeah, and or if he participated, he you know he worked with the writers a lot. They, they ran stuff by him. He was he had his finger in the pot. Terry, thank listen, you, Terry. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll we'll try and call on you again. If not on the podcast in person we're coming round Terry we're coming round yeah we're coming to see you Terry look out one final thing Terry would you take a photograph once this conversation's finished of what you can see right now email it to me and I'll put it on the website Uh, I'll take it from my front porch looking out and uh, uh, you guys will uh, will book flights shortly (laughs) after that (laughs) ladies and gentlemen Terry Gusto Terry thank you very much Thank you for having me, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. Nice guy. Well, I think the first thing to mention is that guy did not sound 67. I know. That's because he's 66, isn't he? Well, it scares me to think that he sounds young. I mean, that, that shows you that he's lived a very yeah. good life. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because it's different, Jamie. It's not like us getting stuck in one thing. I'm going to sound haggard. You already did it. Rough as a butcher's dog. You already do. He's, what, a, what a guy. Uh, what a, Living the dream. Nice to know Michael Hall's got a sense of humour. Nice to know there could be a Dexter movie. That's the headline from today. Yeah. And also, hey, how about that little... Uh, Scoop. The, I tell you what, the gangster the stuff. The organised crime. Because thing. when I'm you said joking. that, I knew I You're thought that's, that's a joke, and I yeah. thought he was playing along, and he was like, "Oh yeah, of course we have to do with gangsters." And then he actually says, "No, yeah, we did actually deal with gangsters." And you're like, <laughs> I, I, I actually thought that was because I knew in the film Godfather they had to. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they were making Godfather, they had to deal with the mafia, but that was seventies. Like you don't expect yeah, to. Yeah, That's scary, isn't it? Well, anyway, wow. Next week. Guy. On the box set pod, it is the Red Wedding director's commentary. This is going to be unique. Is it the red one we're doing, yeah? Yeah, Game of Thrones, Red Wedding. If you've never watched Game of Thrones, we're doing this podcast for you next week. If you have watched Game of Thrones, we're doing it for you as well. And that is the challenge. Next week, we are going to do a director's commentary for something you can't see, and we're going to do it without spoiling no anything. No spoilers. That's the that's the Jamie and Howell guarantee. It's the challenge. It should be fun. Yeah. Um, so get your episodes of Game of Thrones ready. Find the Red Wedding. What season is it? Season uh, three is the Red Wedding. It's not like you're not going to be able to pause it next week. It's, make sure you've got yeah, it. So we'll tell you at the beginning though, of next anyway. week. So at the beginning of next week, see you then. In the meantime, if you want to email us, studio at theboxsetpod.com. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. Let's go find some gangsters. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.